This is going to be our final podcast on the cytoskeleton, and here we're going to talk about the intermediate filaments. Intermediate filaments are a heterogeneous group of cytoskeletal molecules. They're found in all cells. Intermediate filaments are structurally very stable. So unlike microtubules and microfilaments, which are dynamic, intermediate filaments are highly stable structures. They have a high tensile strength. They're almost like cytoplasmic ropes. They're 10 nanometers in diameter. Most consist of 50 kilodalton subunits. The subunits are nonpolar. They are highly variable. Intermediate filaments tend to be tissue specific. So for example, we talk about cytokeratins as uniquely representing epithelial cells. Microfilaments form a continuous link with the cytoplasmic, nuclear, and extracellular matrix filaments. And the cartoon here would just show these intermediate filaments that are running throughout the cytoplasm of cells. And you might imagine these intermediate filaments give sheets of cells tremendous rigidity against lateral shear forces. And that's meant to be highlighted here. The intermediate filaments are going to stretch and distribute applied forces throughout the cell. And they're going to make these cells be held together very rigidly in sheets of cells. And you might imagine, for example, that if you had cells that were just attached at rivet points on their membranes, if there were shear forces, these cells would easily split apart. On the other hand, think about the filaments as like rebar that are running through concrete. They really reinforce the cells and give tremendous rigidity to cells where the sheet of cells would be subjected to lateral shear forces. There's a mutation in a keratin gene that leads to epidermolysis bullosa. You get a lot of blistering. The sheets of cells don't hold together because of a mutation in a keratin gene, which is necessary for the stability of these keratin intermediate filaments. Here's just gives you an idea of the structure of intermediate filaments. There's a highly variable central region that's kind of like a rod shape. And this is why we say the intermediate filaments are very variable and they're almost unique to different tissue types. But there's also highly conserved globular regions at both the N-terminal and C-terminal ends of these molecules. Now, these intermediate filament monomers are going to twist around each other in a parallel manner and form a dimer type structure. But then two dimers are going to twist around each other in a staggered and anti-parallel manner to form a tetramer. And then the tetramers as individual units are going to align along the long axis of the filament to form these very stable rope like structures. And here you can see them in the electron micrograph and then just diagrammatically like this. Intermediate filaments can be organized into six major classes that are based on gene structure, protein composition, and cellular distribution. This is a fairly complicated slide. I've put in blue font what I think is important for you to remember vis-a-vis -vis intermediate filaments. Now there are six classes, as we said, classes one and two of the keratins. These are the most diverse group of intermediate filaments. They're found in virtually 
nearly all epithelial cells. In humans, there are at least 50 different types of keratins and perhaps almost 50 different types of genes that code for these keratin intermediate filaments. Class 1 keratins are the so-called acidic keratins. Class 2 keratins are the so-called basic keratins or cytokeratins. Keratins also have three expression groups. There are those that are found in simple epithelia, those that are found in stratified epithelia, and those that are considered the hard keratins. And you know the hard keratins as the protein subunits of hair and nails. Class three intermediate filaments are vimentin and vimentin-like proteins. These are the most widely distributed intermediate filaments in the body. Vimentin is found in cells of mesodermal origin, so they're found in endothelial cells, they're found in some smooth muscle cells and in some cells of the neuroectoderm. Desmin, another intermediate filament found in most muscle cells, glial fibrillary acidic protein found in neuroglial cells and Schwann cells, and peripherin found in axons of peripheral neurons. Class four intermediate filaments are neurofilaments that are expressed in axons. There are several types of these that are called neurofilament low weight, neurofilament medium weight, neurofilament high weight. You don't really have to necessarily remember those, but those are the neurofilaments that are expressed than axons. There are other classes of intermediate filaments that are so-called neurofilaments that are expressed in neurons and some of them are actually even expressed in muscle. Class 5 intermediate filaments are the lamins. These are expressed in all nucleated cells. You know these as the nucleolamin proteins. There's lamin A and C, which are important in maintaining the integrity of the nuclear envelope, and lamin B, to which the lamin A's and C's interact and help to form the nuclear pore complexes. And then there's the class 6 intermediate filament uh, proteins. These are specific to the lens. And I don't care that you necessarily remember these right now for our course. But this cartoon just highlights the classes of the intermediate filaments. So we can talk about intermediate filaments, the keratins that are uniquely found in epithelial cells. So class one and class two intermediate filaments are keratins. This is important clinically because if you've got a tumor of unknown origin, you can do cytochemical stains for the various intermediate filaments and know where the tumor comes from. So for example, if you've got an undefined tumor that stains positively for keratin, you know that that tumor would be from an epithelial origin tumor. Vimentin and vimentin related proteins, the so-called class 3 intermediate filaments, the class 4 intermediate filaments in nerve cells, and then the nucleolamins, class 5 intermediate filaments. Intermediate filaments can be associated with a variety of different diseases. I'm not going to ask you to remember these right now for an exam for our course. This is just simple examples. There are hundreds of different examples of intermediate filament protein mutations that are associated with diseases. But for example, we already mentioned this, epidomolysis bullosa is a mutation in uh, the genes that code for a keratin. Dilated cardiac 
myopathy, there's a mutation in a vimentin gene. ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, there's a mutation in a Desmond gene. Alzheimer's disease, there are abnormalities in glial fibrillary acidic proteins. These accumulate in glial cells. Parkinson's disease, there's a mutation in a neurofilament low molecular weight gene. A mutation in a laminin B gene causes limb girdle muscular dystrophy. So again, I put these up just to highlight for you that mutations in the genes that code for intermediate filament proteins are clinically very relevant. And you'll encounter some of these in your training in pathology. And depending on your area of specialization, you'll encounter these in your clinical training later. Here are intermediate filaments that are visualized by light and electron microscopy. The image on the left is from a lung fibroblast. Vimentin is stained red. Actin microfilaments are stained in green. And the nucleus is stained with a stain called hoist, which just intercalates into the minor groove of DNA. You don't have to remember that. But you can see the intermediate filaments scattered throughout the cell. And you can see the actin filaments in the cell. Here is an electron micrograph of an axon. You can clearly see mitochondria. You can see microtubules at the arrowheads. And the little T9C dots you can see as intermediate filaments like this. So these would be some of these so-called neurofilaments.